Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, I have a great friend of mine, Mr. Victor Heredia. Ricardo, good to be here, bro. Victor, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, shout out to the All In guys, uh, Carlos, Sal, and, and Alex, who allowed us to use their studio to record uh, a few episodes of the Real Estate Entrepreneurs. Um, and I'd like to start with this, Victor. Who is Victor, man? Where do you come from? Uh, so I'm born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. I grew up in Maryville. Actually, kind of a, back in the day, it was kind of a rough area. Still kind of is. Uh, but that's my background. Uh, and then I was in the food industry for about, I'd say about 20 years. Uh, food industry? Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what What? was that? Like, what do you do there? Uh, so a couple of things. So believe it or not, I used to sell cheesecakes uh, back in the day. Cheesecakes? Yeah, cheesecakes. Yeah, yeah back in the day. Did yeah. you bake them yourself? or No, no. Uh, my cousin uh, was VP of sales for a cheesecake factory. Cheesecake factory, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, and then he left there. He partnered up with another guy, and they started making some very similar desserts. He took, the, I think, the chef also for Cheesecake Factory. And they just started uh, their own their own line. They started started selling uh, desserts. Uh, it was a company called Sam's Cheesecake out of, out of San Diego. Uh, so I did that for a few years. And then, then I went to the real estate business for a little bit. But then my family, uh, they're big farmers down in Mexico. So uh, I got out of real estate to get into the family business and then, you know, did that for probably, I don't know, 20 years. And so did you go to, did you move to Mexico? No, I, uh, we opened up a, an office in a warehouse here in, uh, in Phoenix. Okay. And so I just, I kind of, you know, helped run operations here in, in Phoenix and in the U.S. Oh, wow. So uh, how did that look like? They farmed in, in, in Mexico and then you guys brought all the products here? And we, we, we shipped it uh, through McAllen and through Nogales and then we would sell it to, to supermarkets here in the States. And what were you guys growing? Down in Colima. Down south in a little town called Tecoman, Colima. And then we would also grow a little bit in, in Sonora as well. Okay. Depending on the, on the product. But what were you growing? What uh, was bana- the product? Bananas. Bananas? Yeah, bananas. I didn't know Mexico grew bananas. Yeah, Mexico grows a lot of bananas. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. I know in uh, bananas are very well known in Central America, Colombia, Venezuela. That's where they're very big. Right. That's, that's where they're very big. But for freight reasons, a lot of companies buy from Mexico because the freight isn't as... Is, Absolutely. Is, it's yeah. cheaper. It's just yeah. a truckload away. Yeah, exactly. You know, up north to New York, not so much, but you know, to the border, it's it's, it's really good. Yeah. Wow! And were these um, bananas were they uh, organic or? Yeah, organic. So we actually we private labeled for Whole Foods and for Walmart. So if you've had a an orga- organic banana at Whole Foods, that was that was our, our product, or, or our a private label for Walmart organic banana that was ours as well. And when when do you quit the family business? Uh, I'd say about a, about a year ago. About a year ago. Oh, that's just recently. Yeah, because I was able to to kind of work on 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 real estate uh, part time and do really well with it, and uh, you know other investments I did as well. But you know it was a family business. You know I felt that they they needed me, um, so I kind of felt obligated to stay. Um, so so I stayed as long as I could. Wow. So. Now that business still runs, right? So, yeah. so those products are still in Whole Foods and Walmart yeah, and still, all. Yeah, yeah, they're still selling to Whole Foods and Walmart. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, uh, are your parents are or who's running it now? It was uh, it was well, my 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 cousin, my cousins. Uh, there's 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 actually four of them now that they run the, the business. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the the president, uh, the real the founder of, of the the main group, he actually passed away uh, back in. Uh, I think in July. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm going to assume you encounter real estate 
uh, what you what you do today while you were in that business. Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, so I started doing it really part time. Okay. So I would just you know in the evenings I would just hustle in the evenings and uh, just do real estate. That's all I did. So I really kind of built the business part time, and since it was virtual, it was really easy for me to do it. And what um. What what were you doing of uh, real estate related? Was it wholesaling or buying? Uh, wholesaling, yeah. I've, I've done some flips in the past, uh, you know, I'd say 10, 10 15 years okay. ago. I did some flips, but it just wasn't, you know, wasn't big, big money for me. You know, when you don't know enough, you know, you don't know where to buy at, you know, you don't know how to hire the proper contractors. Right. It, it just wasn't as profitable. But but wholesaling was, you know, kind of, it's, it's where it's at. Wow, wow. So who do you learn wholesaling from? Um, so it's a funny story. I actually, <clears throat> I saw, I was watching Ty Lopez. You know, he was big about four years ago. Well, he's so big now, but he was really active on social media, yeah. right? So he interviewed Jalen White. And, uh, yes. And I saw him like, man, this kid's 18 years old and making 100000 a month. Like, like, what's he doing? Right. And then I just, I, re I realized, well, you know, he's really young. A smart guy. I mean, he's really, he's doing really well now with the other businesses. But I'm like, well, he learned from somebody. So, um, so I, I, I found out about Alex, Alex, uh, signs. Right. And then Carlos as well. But I, I know, I knew Jen learned from someone. So it, I just did some research. It was Sean Terry. Okay. So what I did, I ordered uh, Flip to Freedom. Yeah. So shout out to Sean Terry. Uh, actually I, we were with him yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I ordered Flip to Freedom. I study that for me. Like, you know, I really need to know. The, the business really well because the better you know something the more confident you are and the more power you can, you can move with you know? and you were in a position that you could do that because because right. you 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 had a good job yeah yeah exactly uh, no, no 100 it was a good job a good paying job but you know got to the point where I'm, i was making you know in two months what, what i was making in one year well so it was it was you know it just it was just it was just time um but so i studied uh, sean's course for like three months straight And then after that, I just started hitting the phones, and I got my first deal within 10 days. Wow. Yeah, my first deal was actually with All In, was with Carlos. And really? Sam. Yeah. So you do a JV deal. with them? Correct. Yeah. Awesome. So first full circle, right? Like, you start as a newbie, and then now, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm friends with Carlos. I'm friends yep. with, with Alex and, and Sal. We're in their studio, so it's, it's pretty cool. Awesome. So, and this is when? 2019 or 2020? So I started in 20, uh, 2018. 2018. Yeah. Okay, so you started in 2018. That's when you learned Sean Terry's. Yeah. Uh, did you do your first deal back then in 2018, or yeah, was it? Yeah, I, like I said, I, I studied for three months. And I did my first deal in 10 days. Wow. Yeah. Um, and how was that progression? Like, you did, you did your first deal. How long did it take you before you went and hired your first person? Probably a, a Quite a few months, uh, you know. I would just I wanted to learn the business, you know, lock up deals myself, you know. Do I saw cold calling myself? I was doing everything myself. Um, but then after a few months, then I started to to realize, you know, these guys that do really well, they have teams. Like you can't build anything without a team. right. Like even our our my family's business in Mexico, you know, I think they have three three four thousand employees. Wow. So yeah, so it's a big company. So to be at that level, you need a team. Like any major corporation, you know, to be big, you need a team. Right. So what I started doing after every every deal, I would hire a caller, another deal, hire a caller, another deal, hire a caller, and that's kind of how I scaled it. Well, were you hiring callers here or or overseas? Initially, it was Philippines. Okay, because uh, that's what everybody else was doing. Initially, but just didn't do really well for me. So, but when I switched to Mexican callers, is when it kind of took off. Wow, and how long did you last with the Filipino callers? 
Probably two months. Yeah, it did, like I said, it didn't do it too. Yeah, you, once you saw, ah, this is not working. Yeah, it's not working. Go somewhere you else. Gotta, you got to switch. Yeah. And it wasn't the. It wasn't the. The. Um, it wasn't the method. It was the colors themselves. Yeah, I think it's. I think accent is huge. Um, I think the more fluent someone is, it just makes a big difference. Uh, also, you know, there's a cultural difference as well. Like the callers I have in, in, in Mexico, a lot of them are actually deportees. So their English is like us. They're perfect. It's perfect. Yep. Perfect. No accent. You know, they're they probably speak better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're familiar with the culture. You know, so there a lot of them, you know, most of them grew up in the States. So, uh, so yeah, they, they do a good job. Wow. Um, so you switch from Filipinos to Mexicans. And this is back in 19 now, right? Yeah, this is probably around 19, yeah. Like towards the end or? Yeah, yeah towards the end. And that's when you really start scaling. Yeah, that's when I started scaling. Um, but even then, you know, you're, you're reinvesting all your profits into the business. You know, like me, I'm, you know, even now I'm not a huge spender. Um, yeah, I, I really re reinvested in my business. One thing I learned, you know, in our business, in our industry, you know, your operational uh, expenses will kill you. Like even you yes. know, when we were doing uh, 20 million a year in sales in, in, the, in the industry, in the products industry, you know, there's some months you would lose money. But we, when we were doing 10 to 12, we were making money consistently. It's because your operational costs are, are, are in line. Yes. Right? So a lot of times if you have too many people in the office, you know, too many, too many salaries, too many in-house guys, your operational costs are cute. Like, you know, like you mentioned yesterday, two, three bad months and you're, you're done. Yep. So I've always, always been very cognizant of that. So I always kept that in mind that your operational costs will kill you. So I always try to minimize our operational costs. Hmm. So... Um which is something I've done too yeah. uh, throughout the years. Although I never grew a team that was very um, capital intensive, yeah. you know, like I never, I never got to that to that level of saying having 20 people in my office at two thousand dollars a piece yeah. plus commissions and then running a marketing campaign and having a hundred thousand dollar payroll pretty yeah, much exactly. right in between in between people and marketing yeah. because. We did that in 2017 and 18 with mailers. Yeah. And yeah, we were making money, but if we had two bad months, we suffered, you yeah. know, and, and we, we got our, our teeth knocked out, right? Yeah. So I learned my lesson back then, and now I was, I was more cautious on how I, I would grow. Like I said, look, I want to grow big, but I, I don't have to go and 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 get all this overhead mm -hmm. of people uh, because more people doesn't necessarily means more money. Correct. A lot of times it can, it can mean less money. Less money. Sometimes. No, I would say ninety nine percent of the time is less careful. money. Yeah. If you're not careful. So, so interesting. So, so you go to Mexico and. And I know you have a call center now today. That that's yours. Correct. That's your operation. Correct. But tell me how how did it start? Like you you hired your first guy. Yeah. How did how did that started growing? Well, it's funny. Um, I, I I went down to Sonora. We went to Rocky Point, and I I, I was talking to my my wife's um, cousin, and uh, he his English was perfect. And I told my wife like, man, his English is perfect. Like, like what's up with that? She's like, oh yeah, he works at a call center. And I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, hey, bro, you want a job? Like, what are they paying you? And he's like, I think they're paying like, I don't know, like, hundred, I don't know, hundred bucks a week or I don't know. I'm like, I'll pay you more. You want, you want a job? And he's like, yeah. And so I hired him, uh, and then he got a friend, and another friend, another friend, and after a while, and now, I mean, after a while, everybody kind of knows, you know, knows us. 
down in uh, in Mexico, you know. So we're we're getting we're getting people hit hit us up quite a bit. So how many people do you have in your operation there? Uh, it's like twenty callers now. Twenty, but they're only for your company, right? Correct. So you're not really outsourcing to anybody else. No, no. And actually, now we're starting to do uh, so. Like I just hired Lamasu Leads. Yep. Because we want to get additional lead lead flow, and we're looking at other, some other. You know, we actually work with Call Geeks as well. So yep. we actually have four callers with Call Geeks in addition to the twenty. Right. Uh, it's just good. You know, it's about lead gen, it's, and it's different funnels. Exactly. It's and, different and actually, funnels. You can still hit the same list, but if you hit it with two different call centers, yeah, you might saturate that list, but you're you're, you're going to get the most juice out of it. You know, you're still going to get leads. Yep. Because just a lot of it's timing. Yeah! Wow! I'm 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 amazed that you actually hire Scott uh, in Lamazu Leads. Yeah. You having your own call center? Yeah. Uh, to me, it's all about lead flow. Yeah. It's all about lead flow. Yeah, and it works. Their, their leads are good. Yeah. Uh, they never heard anything wrong. Shout yeah. out to Scott Morse. Uh, his podcast comes out next week, I yeah. think, or this week. I'm uh, not sure. Cool. Um, but um, you know, he's going to be a speaker again uh, pretty soon. But okay, so you grew out from one guy to 20 guys now. And what's the what's the lead flow per caller? Like, how do you track those numbers? So I know a lot of guys in the industry, and I've talked to a few guys that have their own callers and some that outsource, right? So a lot of guys in the industry, they say, you know, two leads a day per caller. Um, we don't get that. Uh, we get probably, I'd say probably one to one and a half per caller per mm. day. But we've noticed that those convert much better than the ones that we outsource because what i have a group chat and i have all on whatsapp so i'm very much every day i'm sending them trainings on on how to talk to people on how to cold call uh you know if if i see a lot of bs leads i'm like hey guys you guys send us bs leads this ain't gonna work uh, we do contests so like i'm always on top of them but i also make it clear i like don't send me bs leads i want real leads mm. so i'm very you know interactive with them and i think that that's what helps to get you know quality leads i mean i'd rather have you know 20 solid leads than, than 30 social leads. So, so the lead flow isn't as good, uh, but they're good leads. It, okay. work, it, work, it works for us. But also we are looking, like I said, we're looking at call geeks. Uh, we're looking at some other options just to, just to kind of test the waters. So you, you, don't wanna, you never want to stay set in just one mode, right? So it's always good to look at different avenues. What's your... Um, so are you currently tracking how many contracts you generate with your team? Or per head, or how do you do that? So, so yeah, we, we, we also do PPC. Okay. So we know, you know, how many how many deals we're getting for PPC, and then you know, cold calling is like for every I'd say 30, 30 leads we get we get a deal. Okay. Approximately. So, are those are those guys in the call center handling your PPC leads as well? No, no, that that's, not. that's only our, our AQM. So I got I got AQM here in, in, in the states. Which you know he, we've been friends since we're 17 years old, so I you know he's like a brother. Right. Um, and then I got uh, I got my top my top callers for you know for my call center. I, I got them doing acquisitions as well. Okay. So and then and then the PPC you know my main my main acquisition guy takes care of it. Yeah, because he he can just take all that inbound. Yeah, correct. Um. You never tried. You never thought about funneling those PPC leads to those guys over there, no. And, and maybe having that acquisitions manager train those guys more on on how to get more property. Yeah, I think at, at some point we're going to do that. Uh, once once we increase our, our lead flow, yeah, the plan is is to get like my head acquisition guy 
to pretty much manage, you know, like four or five acquisition guys. But, you know, we're not there yet. The, the lead flow isn't, isn't quite there yet. Yeah, but still, I mean, uh, uh, lead flow from PPC? Uh, well, in general, PPC and cold calling. Yeah. Yeah, but you're still moving quite a few contracts, though. Yeah, yeah, we are. But, you know, we, we want to do like, you know, 20, 25 contracts a month. That's kind of what I But that's closing. You want to close, close on 25. Correct, yeah. Yeah, because one thing is to lock up 25, and another oh, yeah. thing is to, is to yeah. close on 25. Another right? thing, too, is our, our, our close rate is pretty high. So for every contract, well, for every 10 contracts we get, we typically we close on eight of them. Yeah. Sometimes nine. And if not, it's it's more of a, I, it's a title issue. I'm the same way. Yeah. Because I know some guys close at 50%. You know, and some of my friends tell me, too, like, well, you're not taking enough risks. I'm like, yeah, probably, that's probably true. But then I also, I don't like to do work, unnecessary work. Oh, stuff so, that you don't know that's going to that, close. Exactly. Yeah. So I rather I rather know. Yeah, that's a deal. I I'd rather not. I mean, it's, you have to. It's going to take risks, and it, it definitely works, right? But I don't want to do unnecessary work. So what do you think? Um, interesting, because you have a you have a you have a hybrid operation like I do. Uh, yeah. Our operations are very much 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 similar. Yeah. I don't have cold callers. Yeah. I have texters. Yeah, texters. Well, we do both. So we got we got texters. We have two now. Yeah. Uh, I'm hiring another a third uh, this week because, okay. like I mentioned to you last night, on a one-to-one -one basis, texting is better than, than cold calling. 100%. Uh, texting, like, they'll generate more leads. Mm -hmm. The problem with it is you're hitting up a lot more data with texting. So with, with cold calling, you know, they're only hitting maybe calling 700 people a day. Well, one of the so, reasons why you're hitting more data with texting is because you're not delivering the right way. That, well, that too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's agree, what we talked about last yeah, night at dinner, night. by the way. We had yeah. a, uh, Vic took me to a nice uh, steakhouse last night, yeah. and we, we had a, a couple of uh, uh, glasses of wine yeah. and some, some good food, and yeah, we talked about all that stuff. But yeah, exactly. But, yeah, there are tricks to texting to where... It's not about the volume. It's about yeah. the quantity and yeah. the quality of the text messages yeah. you're sending and getting to know how those carriers work. Yeah. You know, that's that's, that's something I we've... Mean, if you have that hack, then, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, we've, we've invested a lot of time into it and, and, and thinking about it and why is it that I get shut down all of a yeah. sudden and the other guy gets shut down. And so, so okay, so you last year you did... Um, what, what was your revenue last year? Well, a little shy of two. A little shy of yeah, two. Yeah, we did like 1.8. And, and how many people on your team to make those 1.8? In total, I'd say probably right. Well, right, well, well back then, though, I, I would say total, it was 18. 18. 18. 18 people. Yeah. So that's about 100 grand per head. Yeah. yeah 18. A year. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's, that's a good number. Yeah. Um, I measure it like that. Like yeah, that's I actually smart. A lot of big corporations measure it, uh, 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 revenue by employee. Yep, yeah. revenue by employee. So, well, I come from a big corporation, yeah. so yeah. I have a lot of those habits. I don't yeah. know whether they're good or bad, yeah. but I look at it like, okay, if I have X amount of people on my team, yeah. how much is each one of them exactly. bringing? Because I, I look at that as well. I, I mean, there's some callers that don't have a, a bad spell. Like, they're, they're really bad for, like, three weeks. But I'm like, well, how much money have they generated me? in the last six months or right. last year, I'm like, no, nah, I'll give them a chance. You give them a break. Yeah, exactly. Some people, some people are like, oh, after two, three weeks, you know, you know, bad leads or no leads or whatever, they'll, they'll, they'll bounce people. But I, but I look at like, well, how many deals have they generated me? And I'm like, well, they generated me like, you know, quite a few deals this year. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll just talk to them and I'll work with them. Yeah, yeah and they may just be going through a bad, uh, you know, bad situation, exactly. something's going on at home. Yeah. You never know because yeah. they got lives too, you know, yeah, like, exactly. uh, people, everybody's got, baggage and things yeah so 
So you, but today and to, so today, how many are you guys? So now I think uh, I have to count, but now it's going to be like closer to twenty-four, probably. Yeah, we're about the same size. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. Um, and now we didn't do one point eight, or we didn't do what you were you did last year, but. I think we were, for the most part, throughout the year. Because this is the thing. I rebuilt my team three times last year. Oh, wow. So, because I was trying different things. Yeah. And because I was trying different things, I didn't want to throw a lot of money into yeah, exactly. in, into the funnel. Yeah. And I'm very patient. So, you see, I did in 2017, $4 million. Mm. But then it started kind of like decreasing. Yeah. As... Things started changing, marketing, and then we did mailers. That We were heavy on mailers because I come from the Sean Terry school. Yeah. Now, I never went to a Flip to Freedom, uh, you know, uh, seminar, or I, I listened to him yeah. every day. Yeah, you told me that, yeah, yeah. You know, every day. And then I went and bought the 100K wholesaler because yeah. I knew how to wholesale. Yeah. I knew how to estimate, you know, repairs, and I've been rehabbing for quite a few um, years by now. Yeah. Um, but when I when I bought that 100k wholesaler, we implemented it. Yeah. Right away, and it took about three months, and yeah. bam, we started making yeah. good money. So, um, the problem was that we. We were heavily on mailers. Yeah. And a lot of the negotiations, it was me and Dennis. Mm. And we were doing all the sales as well. Yeah. So we were wearing, wearing multiple hats. Mm. Uh, we did try to grow a team where we put somebody on salary and then commit. But that didn't work. Yeah. Uh, so I've been experimenting with different models yeah. for the last few years. The least we made is a million. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, 2019, I made a million, and I was just by myself yeah. with a couple of VAs. Yeah. Um, so, but now that we're moving forward, and I understand the virtual model yeah. or the virtual team member model better, yeah. I think the 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 foundation is being built a lot more rock solid yeah. that I had it before, and that's why I say that your your operation and mine are very similar. Yeah. Because yeah. it's about the same same size. Yeah. Uh, you do cold calling, I do texting. Yeah. Um, I may venture into cold calling at some point for landlines because we have a lot of landlines that we don't that, touch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and guess who answers the phone on a landline? Yeah, yeah, our target. It's an eighty-year-old lady yeah. that may want to sell right away, right? Um, so, okay. Anyhow, now, how was your transition from being a twenty-year you know, corporate yeah. guy, even though it was your family business, yeah. still a corporation. Correct, yeah. Um, you knew exactly how much money you were going to make yeah. on the 1st and the 15th and yeah. and all that um, into saying, I'm a full-time entrepreneur now. And also, how do your wife take that? Like, Because yeah. I'm interested in knowing, you know, yeah. how that happens. Well, I would, you know, with me, I've always kind of been entrepreneurial. Like, since I was young, I was okay. always trying to do something, you know, doing flips, doing that. We actually started Amazon business, a private label, right. selling supplements. And it was doing really well for a while. And then we got shut down by Amazon. Right. So, uh, so yeah, we're always dabbling in other stuff. You know, I used to work for a guy named Don Lepree. I don't know if you heard of him, but he... Who? He, Don Lepree. Yeah. You work for Don Labrie. Yeah. That, that was the guy that was selling infomercials. Correct. Yeah. He actually, I think, I think he helped Dean Graziosi get started in infomercials. Bro, I bought a product of that guy. I used to work for him. 
years ago. Correct, yeah. Like he was selling some newspaper ads. Yes, that's it, Don Lepre, yeah. yeah. I used to work for him. Wow. He's a really good dude. Unfortunately, you know, he Yeah, yeah he he, uh, he he's he's no longer but around. He was a really good dude. He was a great person. Wow, man, I would have loved to meet that yeah, guy. He was super cool. He was a really motivational, really cool. And uh he would he would tell us, Hey guys, you know, when you're working for someone else, you're helping someone else achieve their dream. You know. And there's even one time in office he's like, you know, you guys are all dumb. And we're like, what? He was like, you guys are done working for me. Why don't you guys do, do your own thing? So, like, he was very influential. Like, a lot of his comments just kind of stuck with me. You know, he was just, he was a smart He guy. always encouraged people to go. Work for them, to do their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of guys that used to work for him now, they're super successful. Like, they went on to do other stuff. And like I said, he, I, I believe, I mean, I don't want to misspeak, but I believe he helped Dean get started in influence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Um, so, so that was, that was, that was a big factor. So, that, that always stuck with me. But also, too, I, I just saw the quality of life my, my cousin had. I mean, the guy was super wealthy. I don't know how much money he's worth, but, I mean, they did re really well. I mean, he was even recognized by the president of Mexico. Well, So he was very, very successful. Um, so I knew that that's kind of eventually where I wanted to be at. And after a while, you just realize, well, listen, it's a great job, great opportunity. I mean, I was set, had my own office. But, you know, I knew if I wanted a, qual a certain quality of life, I had to I had to work for myself, and also too like the owners were my cousins. Like four of the owners are, are my cousins. So like when you're all four cousins are, are millionaires, and you're not, it's like it really it really motivates you. Right. So um, and because I because I could directly see their lifestyle. Right. Like I could see, you know, the, the 30, how they live. Thirty thousand yeah. dollar watches yeah. and, and this and that. Um, but more than anything else, just the impact they can have on people's lives. So, like, when you have a lot of money, you can really help others. You yes. Know, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, he bought my dad a truck. He sent my mom and my dad on a on a cruise to the Caribbean. Wow. So, stuff like that really, like, kind of stick with you, you know. And so, if you want to really impact the world, fortunately or unfortunately, you need to have money. I mean, you really do. Yeah. So, that's, that's I mean, you could do it in other ways, but that that's a big factor. So, so I just wanted, I wanted to do more and have more impact. Right. So when you said, I quit, or I'm going to quit, uh, how were those conversations with your wife? Because wives seek, um, most wives, I don't know, that, yeah. that's Mabel's case, but my wife, she wants stability and security. Yeah. Art's wife wants the same thing, yeah. you know? So, hey, I'm going to quit the job that's been yeah. supplying our lifestyle yeah. and, a, and, a, and, a, and a good lifestyle for, mm -hmm. for years. Yeah. It's because I'm going to go pursue my dream now. Yeah. How, how is that? No, actually, she was very supportive. Uh, like, she... Like, let's go. She, she was like, let's go. You know, like, she knew it was, it was, it was, it was time. She kind of... And not in a negative way, because it's a great company. You know, I love my family. But she was like, hey, you know, you, you could do more. You're like, you know, you're, you're capable of doing more. Yeah, she believed in you. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're being there is holding you back, is what she would tell me. And, uh, and and I, I I think it was to a, to a degree you know what I mean I mean, enjoyed being there but you know it was it was just and well it is and now look at what, how much you've grown right yeah of course but also too uh, uh, like I've been able to do what I've done because of because being involved in that business for so long yeah yeah you know like you know just a lot of stuff that I learned like you know one thing I learned you know it's it's about relationships like you know you really have to build relationships with people that's that's key but also one thing that really stuck out you know Carlos Reyes you know he would make fun of me he was like dude you go to everybody's events. And it's because one time we're having dinner with my cousin. Uh, his name was Jorge Aguilar Heredia. We're having dinner, and I, I asked him, like, it was just me and him. I'm like, I'm like, how did you do it? Like, how did you get to that level? I'm like, you know, where you're at. And so I was expecting some kind of deep strategy, right? Mm -hmm. He was like, you know what? Number one, I was humble. I was like, what? He was like, I was just humble. 
He was like, I learned from everyone in the industry. I spoke to everyone in the industry. I learned from them. Even the guys that weren't doing as, as well as me, if they had a good idea, I implemented what they told me. He was, but I was humble enough to know that I didn't know everything and I was going to learn from everyone. And so that's what I've done. I mean, literally, I've studied. You name them, I've studied them in some way, shape, or form. So I think that's, that's what really helped as well. Wow. I think that's a big impact. Well, I, I practice that. Yeah. I go to everybody's event. Everybody's. Yeah. If I can get in there, I'm going to get in there. Yeah. I'm going to learn. I'm going to, yeah. and I'm going to be a sponge. You yeah, know? you have to be. Yeah, because there's always going to be something that some, someone mentions that, like, oh, shoot, that, that's interesting. And then you, and they implement it. But also, too, like in our business, so there was a time we were, we were in Arizona, we were supplying batches, you know, batches, supermarkets, the supermarket here in town. We're supplying them about 75 loads of product a, uh, a month. It's a lot. It's a lot of a product, and they filed bankruptcy. And so, like, when there was the, there were four vendors. It was like I forgot who it was, and then it was Coca Cola, and then like we were like third or fourth. So we were like a big vendor. And so, because they filed bankruptcy, we lost that business. Right. So because we're you know we were dependent on it, right? And so we we're like, well, what do we have to do? We have to shift. So my cousin was like, let's just shift. Let's let's start doing organics. That's the trend. So let's shift to organics. So so that's one thing. Following the trend, like what's trending. Like what's trending right now, and so so you got to use that and adapt that to your business. But also, um, you got to go where the money's at. So what do we do? Like, well, we targeted Walmart and Whole Foods because they're the big boys. So like, I literally hit up I think Walmart, Whole Foods for three years straight until they gave us the the, the door. The chance. Exactly. Um, so we we went where the money was at. So that's what we do in our business. Like, who has money? Hedge funds. Yeah. So that's what that's who we target. We target like we specifically target data for hedge funds. And that's that's kind of how we do. Got it. Let's talk about that. So what does data for hedge funds look like? Well, basically, um, they like you know homes that are you know three bed, two bath, uh, nineteen fifty plus. Break. Uh, they prefer break. Yeah. Um, but depends on the hedge fund. Some are very aggressive. Uh, the ones that. That, that don't really want to bother with too much of a, of a remodel. They'll say, hey, 1965 or 1980 plus. Mm -hmm. It just really depends on, on the fund that, that you're dealing with. But that's kind of our focus. But also, too, like eventually, you know, now they're, they're, not, they're not as aggressive as they were a year ago. Yeah. So it seems. So sometimes, you know, we're, you know, we'll just put it on, you know, MLS or we'll, you know, try to sell it to Open Door. You know, it's interesting. A friend of mine. Kyle down, down in Tucson, a company's called KMS. They have about a thousand properties. So we started submitting deals to the hedge fund, but he was denying eight out of 10. He's like, nah, I'm like, that's a good offer, Kyle. He's like, nah, I'll listen on MLS and, and get more money. And he already had a thousand properties. So like, they know what they're, you know, they know what they're doing. So then I'm like, okay, well, if this big guy's doing it, you know, he has a thousand properties and he's denying 80% of their offers because he thinks he'll get more on MLS. You know that that says something, right? So I kind of kept that in mind. So we're we're starting to do that as well. Okay, so you're following a, a trend that he's yeah he's setting. Well, he has you know he has a thousand properties. He knows he, he does about thirty flips a month, so he knows what he's doing, right? So he you know he's he's smart. He knows what he's doing, and it's true. He's like Victor. He was let's just put it on on MLS. He was you know maybe he was my fund the fund might buy it on MLS or, or open door or another fund you know there's funds buy on MLS as well because mm -hmm. funds have an off market division and they have an on market division he was he just put it on MLS so that's what he would do now what do you think in your opinion why are the funds buying so many properties I think because money's cheap 
you know, I think they're getting, I, I heard they're getting money like at one, one and a half percent, percent yeah. something like that. And so if they buy a, a house with 4% cap rate, what is that, a 300% return? Yeah. I mean, that's really good. So so that's, I think that's why. Also, too, I think uh, whilst the, the stock market is over, over leveraged, um, so I think, you know, they want to hedge their, their their risk so you know what's safer than real estate i mean what's safer than you know for the market real estate it's the best thing to be in so i think that's why but are they becoming landlords or what, what are so what's the what's the future look like for the funds because if they're amassing all the properties so i heard that they want to own uh everything under three hundred thousand dollars and they just want to create like a they want to control the rental market so you know, there's some funds that own thirty thousand, twenty thousand properties. You know, they, there's some really big funds out there. Uh, there's some that we don't do business with because all they do is buy on, on, you know, on market properties like imitation homes. That's all they do. But you know, they they own a lot of properties. I haven't looked, but it's 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 substantial. Um, so that's what they want to do. They want to they want to control that market because they, they're going to they know rents are going to going to rents never decline. Typically. No, they they always go up. They're always going to go up. So for them, it's a, it's a sure uh, sure investment. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm I'm curious what's going to happen if interest rates continue to climb. What's going to happen if if at some point interest rates are too high, then their money is going to be too expensive, and then they'll decide to not invest in real estate. I mean, it's hard it's hard to know. Like, you know, they have an algorithm they work with, so it's it's hard to say. You know, it depends. You know, at what point it depends on interest rates. So. What do you think is, do you think there will be a, and this, I haven't I actually talked to anybody about this. You're the first person I asked this question. What do you think is going to happen with the market in the next three years? Um, well, I think, you know, as Sean was mentioning yesterday, there's always a correction. Um, you know, nothing goes up forever, you know, and nothing stays low forever. So I think there'll be a correction to what degree, you know, we don't know. Um, I know the stock market is, is really correcting. Yeah, correcting now, and, yeah. and and supposedly there's a crash coming. So if it's a severe crash, yeah, it's going to affect real estate, I think. But a lot of these, you know, you know, like Zach Keeps is is a, is a huge you know investor. He has like 200 plus properties. He's like you know he's fine because he's just renting everything out. Yeah. So he's you know he's sad. So you know it's it, it's it's not going to affect some people, but it might affect others. But but we don't know to what degree it it'll, it'll correct. I, I don't think it'll be as bad as 2008. Because everyone has equity, so and that's what's good for us as wholesalers. Almost everyone you call has equity. Yeah, my my target list is seventy percent equity or yeah. more. I don't target anything less than that. Correct. Unless I don't have enough properties in an area, then I go down to fifty percent equity. Yeah. But that's about it. Same here. We do. We actually do sixty percent. Sixty. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I target a lot of tertiary markets. So. 90% of my targets is a city 45 minutes away from a um, from a large metro area. Gotcha. Like uh, here in Arizona, I would say uh, Phoenix, uh, Tucson, or Correct. or maybe something. Not, and Tucson to me is probably too big. Yeah. I, I go to like whatever is around Tucson yeah. that because I'm looking for what most people are not looking for. Yeah. Which is properties in those other markets. Correct. Because most guys are following that trend. The, exactly. the hedge fund. Yeah. The, the, and, and hedge funds don't necessarily like those properties out there. Yeah. Uh, they like the properties in the main cities, yeah, you know, exactly. Houston, Jacksonville. Well, like hedge funds, like, you know, I think 42% of, of buyers or investors are, in, are buying in Atlanta. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so it's a competitive market. And there's a lot of wholesalers there, right? Yeah. There's a ton. But I like more, like more, and I guess that you could say that's an A market. I like B markets because they're not as competitive. 
So and it's, and there's there's funds mined there. What what do you what do you consider a B Just market? Just like a smaller market. You like, for example, like like Arizona is a market. I think Tucson would be considered like a B market. Right. You know? So, um, it just you just smaller cities. Yeah, I'm the C market. Yeah. I'm oh, going. Okay. You know, I'm going to. I'm going to layer out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it works. It works, yeah. It works. Yeah. yeah. And and now my client is different. My client is not a hedge fund. My yeah. client is the regular guy flipping, landlording. Yeah. Uh, which I think, uh, I don't know, but I believe, I believe hedge funds at some point will pull the plug. I, I think so. Well, actually, it happens. So every so often, like, hey, we're no longer buying in Indianapolis or we're no longer buying here. And so you just, you, you got to delete. I delete my data from my database. And then I just, okay, no more calling there. I mean, if we still have hot leads, we'll still hit those because they're fine. We just have to buy them a little bit cheaper. So that's that's what we do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. We buy them all cheaper. Yeah. Like, we don't, because yeah. we're not selling to hedge funds. Yeah. We got to get them right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you have to buy them at a deep discount. Exactly. It doesn't make sense for the regular yeah. investor yeah. to go pick up something at 90% of yeah. ARV. Exactly. It just doesn't work. But that's why I focus on on C markets, yeah. you know. Because the good thing is with, uh, if you're in a C market, I mean, if you don't have buyers in that market with investor lifts, I mean, you, you, you can get them. Oh, yeah, no, no. And, and, and don't get me wrong. The buyers from the A and the B markets yeah. will go to the C market for oh, the equity. that's good. Yeah. Yep. I was that guy. So, so check it out. In 2000, I think it was 2014, mm. I used to buy off the MLS. Yeah. In Houston, and wow. and 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 I have formulas to buy properties off the MLS, yeah. and negotiation tactics and yeah. all that. Right? I hated wholesalers. I was a wholesaler hater. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, because they never brought me anything that was worth uh, you yeah. know my time. Yeah. So I, I, I scour the freaking MLS and I will find these properties. But I found out that in the city of Houston, th the MLS got dried up. Yeah. And I'm like, man, where do I go for properties? Well, I'm gonna have to start going a little bit further away. So I started going to all these other suburbs that were maybe 45 minutes away from Houston. Yeah. I could still buy properties there. Yeah. But then what happened was those suburbs got dried up too because there were more guys like me trying to find these properties, yeah, right? Gotcha. So uh, my business partner at the time, Dennis, tells me, uh, and this is in 14 going into 15. He says, dude, I read on bigger pockets that if we send yellow letters, we talk to motivated sellers. Yeah. And I looked at him like, like he had two heads. I said, what? Yellow letters? What's a yellow letter? Yeah. So he gets on Google, pulls up a yellow letter. And I see one, and he's like, yeah, man, there's something psychologically about the letters and the handwriting fonts and this and that. And I was like, all right, let's just pick a market and, and send, I don't know, $400 worth of letters and see what happens, right? Now, we have no coaching whatsoever. We don't know what the hell we're doing. But I went and picked one of those C markets mm -hmm. or B. I would say this was like a B market. Yeah. It's a city of south of Houston called Angleton, which is to me still Houston. Yeah. But I've never heard of it, so I don't. <laughs> yeah. So Angleton is down there, right? And and I went ahead and I sent four hundred letters, and I got two houses out of it. Wow, that's good. And that was like fifty thousand dollars on assignments, that's but really because good. we were the buyers, yeah. 
We didn't need to assign them. Yeah. But I was like, man, this is pretty good. This works. Yeah. And then we went and started sending 2,000 mailers. And bam, we get more. But we started focusing on all these areas, smaller markets. Or, uh, smaller markets. Yeah. And that's how we went and bought all the properties we bought in between 2015 and 17. We must have bought three or four. yeah, a lot. Like wow. it, there was a lot of properties that we bought, and um, that was our 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 success. Yeah, but was going to where nobody else was looking. Right. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they started catching up. Yeah. So the, like I, I would see more dumpsters in the area. I was like, oh, there's another flip. There, you know, and I'm like, okay, wait, wait a minute. These guys are actually migrating yeah. because it, by necessity, people have to do it. Yeah. So I was like. Fuck it. I'm going further away. Yeah. So I started going further away. So now I'm going to Bay City, which, by the way, we locked up one deal yesterday in Bay City. But we went to Bay City. Bay City is like, you tell somebody, go to Bay City, they're like, man, you crazy? Dude? That's like two hours from Houston. Wow. That's too far away. Yeah. But guess what? I went and got properties there. ARVs were solid. Rental market was like the best. Wow. And now I'm buying, because we were renting a lot of properties. Yeah. Buying all these properties. And then Harvey happened, so I had to reinvent myself. And then one day, uh, I saw Nick Perry, um, and and I was like, dude, how is it that you do this virtual yeah. thing? How is it that you're wholesaling all over the U.S.? I don't, mm -hmm. I don't understand, because I'm a belly to belly guy. I gotta go and lock up the deal. Yeah, and do it in person. Do it in person. Yeah. He said, Ricardo, you just gotta change your mind mindset. Yeah. You know, and and. Instead of having the belly-to-belly -belly conversation, you have to get real good on the phone yeah. and get your guys real good on the phone. And and I said, all right. So I went and tried it, and we started getting deals. Yeah. And that's when, you know, that's when we made the whole shift. But now we do that B and C nationwide. Yeah. I don't go for the A. Gotcha. But we also do PPC, and, and, and the funny thing is, the reason we got into PPC nationwide also is because of Nick Perry. Like, you see his success. I mean, yeah. he does a ton of deals, right? I'm like, okay, you know, the, we're going to do this. So so we started doing PPC nationwide as well. Uh, and it works. I mean, you know, we all know, right? It works really well. It works. We're all investor live cartels. So yep. We already know, you know how it yep. is. So... So now, what what's next for for you and your team? How what how do you plan on continue to grow your company, or are you gonna stay steady? What what's your plans? Uh, so a couple of things. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine. Uh, he told me there's a guy that's selling uh, 400 deals a year to the funds, uh, and he basically he works with agents. So we're gonna be reaching out to, to agents in certain markets, you know, to you know to try to buy deals from from agents, right? Because uh, they you know they they run across good inventory. Yes. Um, also, we're going to have to go after some more portfolio sellers because you know, we got funds that want portfolios. Um, so that's kind of what we're we're going to be focusing on. Um, we're also starting. Uh, I'm in a group called Collective Greatness, as yep. I mentioned to. Uh, we're starting a uh, skip tracing uh, company. It's mm -hmm. called uh, DataSkip.io. So we're working on that as well. Okay. Um, and also too, now now we're getting into. I got a partner of mine that we're getting into um, transactional funding. So we can do transactional funding, and a lot of JVs. So if someone has a deal. We'll fund 100%, and then we'll fund the, the flip and, and the, the purchase, or the, the purchase and the rehab, and then we'll just play the 50-50. So it's not for everyone, but it's for guys that don't have money and they got a good deal. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's a good, it's a good option. Yeah, and so, I want to split the profits. Correct, yeah. And, and, uh, and some guys, they're like, oh, that's too much money, but which is fine. Like, we're looking for the guys that, that need money and they need you know, our, our experience. There is a segment for that. Yeah, and they need our experience. And so it's like, you got to deal. Well, and you make more money than an assignment. Actually, that's kind of what I started doing. So what I would do, if I got an assignment, 
if the offer on the assignment was like under ten thousand, I'm, I'm like, this is this is enough. All that work for like six, seven thousand, that doesn't work. Yeah. So I would go to my my buyer. I'm like, why don't we do this? Why don't we why don't we JV it? I'll assign it to you at cost. You fix, you flip it, and then we'll split it 50-50. And uh, and it worked. We ended up making a lot more money than than seven, six, seven thousand dollars. You know, sometimes you make twenty, thirty, forty thousand. So it actually worked out because you know it's a it's a the market's climbing. So you wait a little bit more, but you make more money. So that's another. So if so, guys, if you have relationships with with a, a good buyer, strong buyer, make them that that pitch. Like, hey, you know, I'll just assign it a cost and, and flip it. But you have someone. It has to be someone that you really trust. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they can run weird numbers, Correct. and you know. So and, you gotta trust the person, and also too, you I mean, you know, you can figure it out like, oh, okay, that you know, you you can you can run the numbers. Like we already know. What stuff costs, um, and you just test it. But I, you know, for me, if the assignment's low, it's worth it. You know, if I'm going to get a twenty thirty k assignment, then, then no, I'm going to just go for the twenty thirty k. Right. But if I'm getting a, a five, six, seven thousand dollar assignment, I'll just, uh, I just rather JV it. With yeah, because now you can turn that five k into twenty k. Correct. You're better off doing that than assigning it for five seven thousand. Exactly. So that's so good. yeah. So now that's why we're offering that to other people. So if they have a deal. If they want to JV with us, we'll go 50-50 on it. And we'll, and we'll fund 100%. Good. Well, Vic, thank you so much, man, yeah, for, for being a part of the podcast yeah. today and, and for being a speaker in our last mastermind. Yeah. I actually want to go watch and review your, yeah. your, your speech because, uh, unfortunately, I was not around the whole time when you were speaking. Um, Victor sp spoke about uh, virtual... Um, wholetailing nationwide. Yeah. So, uh, put a presentation together. I'm looking forward to see that presentation and looking forward to have you on the next event as well. Oh, Hopefully, yeah. you can make it. Yeah, for sure. Um, guys, don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast event and mastermind is happening May 27, 28 in Austin, Texas. So, I will see you there. Thank you, sir. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you, man. Likewise.